We are reading in Romans chapter 8 this morning. It's a bit odd this, what I'm having to do, because the first time I preached for you guys several months back, I just dipped in and, and preached uh, the last uh, the verses 22 and 23 of Romans 8. And I'm backing up and covering uh, parts before that. So there'll be a bit of repetition, but uh, we're going to deal with every part of, of uh, 12 through 17 and then 18 through 23. I have one more sermon next week uh, that will really get into the glory that we enter into, but we will touch upon it this morning. <clears throat> Excuse me. Beginning with verse 12, let's read again through verse 17, but our focus will be verse 17. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. The reading of God's word. Kids, three things to listen for in this sermon. First, a coffin. Start gruesome. A coffin. Next, treasure in a jar of clay. Treasure in a clay jar. And then... After the rock group Smashing Pumpkins, which some of you may know and like, Smashing Pottery. That's the last one, Smashing Pottery. I want to introduce our sermon with a quote by none other than John Calvin. And this is, to me, one of the great statements about what Christianity is. He says, our salvation uses the word salvation. Our salvation consists <clears throat> in our having God as our Father. That sounds different than maybe what you think a Christian is or what salvation is. But it's a beautiful statement because it shows that salvation is not just rescue from judgment. Salvation is being brought into a full relationship with the God of the earth as his child. That's salvation. As we saw some weeks ago, Abba Father is our rescue from fear and judgment. It's not just a bare rescue, but it's a rescue into rich relationship with God. So if God is our Father, we have forgiveness <laughs> We belong to him. We have intimacy with him. We have his protection, his nourishment. We have his presence, his power, his continuing transforming power. And he will use us of all people to manifest his glory. Excuse me. <clears throat> Need a switch off. <clears throat> um, 
we will bear his light to the world, us sinners. That's the honor that we have to represent this God. So this statement, our salvation consists in having God as our father. It defines who and what you are. It defines where you're going. It defines whose you are. So we're going to look at the new future of the adopted. And I want to switch our order there around a little bit and start with number two, the adopted suffer with him. And then we'll take the next two together because they really blend in that we are heirs with him and we're glorified with him. But it's interesting in the Greek, the same prefix, little word with is in front of every one of those. We suffer with him. We are heirs with him. We are glorified with him. The point is we are united with him in everything. So as we look at this first topic, the adopted suffer with him, I love this statement by one scholar who says concerning our life, our life is basically a dynamic insertion into Jesus' total career. Try to get your heads around that. Our life now is an insertion into Christ's total career. You've probably heard it like this. His story becomes your story. They're joined. So his was suffering and glory. Now you were inserted into that total career, both in its suffering and in its glory. Because he experienced these things, not because he as God needed anything. He experienced these things as your savior and my savior to take us there. His life becomes our life. His journey becomes our journey. It will be suffering and then glory. And I agree with the scholars who uh, translate instead of provided we suffer as, as a kind of if we do suffer. This is a stronger word and I would read it this way. We are heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ since we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. It's an assumption. If you belong to him, you will suffer with him. As Paul said to believers in this life, we have tribulation. Jesus said, you will have tribulation. This will happen. It's assumed throughout the whole of this chapter that we're going to deal with in the next couple of months. It's unavoidable as you live out your relationship to God as his adopted children that you will suffer. If you have God as your father, then like his own son, you will go through suffering at the hands of a world that opposes your father. You may recall Jesus' words in John 15. The servant is not above his master. They persecuted me they will persecute you. He's unequivocal at that. You know, he's not the re army recruiter. Oh, come on and join us. You're going to see the world. There are so many wonderful things that will be for you. And the next thing he's know, he's on his face getting shot at. Jesus tells you up front, you follow me, you're going to get shot at. It's going to be brutal. It's going to be hard. 
And even some people were eager to follow him at times and he would place this before him. I don't have anywhere to lay my head. You you still want to follow me? Are, Are you willing to be crucified and deny yourself for me? He never was untrue to us in his offer. He said, but here's the encouragement. They hated me before they hated you. All of this is in John 15, a wonderful passage, the last half of that chapter. In other words, it's not you so much. Don't take it personally. It's because of who you belong to. You belong to me. They hated me first. They'll hate you. But that's your and my honor. We belong to him. We're children of the Father. And we're bearing his name. And we're suffering for it. That's an honor. That I have that association. That God has given me the honor of this. I love that passage in Acts 5 where the apostles are beaten and mistreated by the Jewish authorities. And it says, they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer for his name. Wow. There we go. I want to be associated with him. He said, you, you will be persecuted because I chose you out of the world. You belong to me. That's why the world hates you. And remember, the, whoever hates me hates my father. And there's so many that say, well, I love God. God's fine. I just don't like Jesus. And Jesus says, well, if you reject me, you reject the father. Because he's the one who's revealed the father. In him we see the father. And if you reject this one, you have rejected the Father's appearance on earth through Christ. So this is the honor that we bring him. He is worthy to be suffered for. This is why I will lose, (laughs) I lose myself thinking about health and wealth people, and I won't name any particular names, but you know who they are on TV, who advertise that you'll have more money, you'll have complete health all the time, nothing will ever go wrong, and if you don't believe that, you're not trusting in God. One individual will not even talk about the cross of Christ. He will not even talk about sin, because it's all positive thinking. And what really angers me about that is in their mind, Jesus is not worth suffering for. He's only valuable for what he will give me in this life. And that is an abomination. He is worthy that we give everything up for him. And we count it an honor. We glorify his greatness in our willingness to suffer for him. And also, dear friends, it's not only the way we glorify and honor how great he is, but this is the great paradox. This is how we love the world. Yes, this is how we love the world. We suffer ultimately, and in some way it's always connected to this, so that we're making him known in this world. And there's always a cost to making him known. There's that little cost when someone brings up something in the office and you speak into it or they ask your opinion and you know the eyebrow is going to be right. I have, 
I've seen guys shut down at a, a rotary at a Kiwanis meeting uh, because they found out I was a pastor. <gasps> you know, we can't talk or breathe. You know, that's not suffering. That's just stupidity. But anyway, <clears throat> but you think as well known to all of you, Elizabeth Elliot, 1956, losing her husband Jim as he was seeking to make the gospel known to the Alka Indians, and he and his four friends were killed by them. And two years later, she's there, bearing witness to those Indians. We suffer in order to make Christ known. We, that's how we're living out Christ is that he died in a very different way and suffered in a different way than us in order to rescue us. But then we follow his footsteps to make known the gospel and to suffer and lose our lives so that others might be saved. And that helps us have an orientation to our suffering. That in any, any case where I bear that persecution or rejection or I'm not included here and there, it's, it's part of my making Christ known. Many in history, in fact, they used to call them the one-way tickets. <clears throat> uh, they would buy a one-way ticket to the mission field. And they would pack all their belongings, as some of you know, not in a suitcase, but in a coffin because they knew they would never come home. One man, A.W. Milne, was one of those missionaries. He set sail for New Hebrides in the South Pacific, a place where every missionary had been killed by the headhunters there. And still he went. Because, as the writer says, he had already died to himself. He had already died to his, his own will. His coffin was packed. For 35 years, he lived among that tribe. And when he died, they buried him in the middle of the village and inscribed this on his tombstone. When he came, there was no light. When he left, there was no darkness. Brothers and sisters, that is your privilege. That is your honor to suffer for others, you see. For their sake, even if at first they might hate you and reject you, continue to seek to love them. In the Beatitudes, familiar with, you know, blessed are the meek, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the peacemakers. And then it goes right into blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. And then it goes right into, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Now pull all those together. Blessed are you when God creates this cult, this character in you. And because of that character, you will be persecuted. But in the midst of bearing that character and suffering that persecution, you will be the light of the world. There is no other way to be the light of the world and to have that character and to bear that persecution. That is your honor. That is your honor as the people of God. And in, along these same lines, another passage for you to read over and meditate and cry over <laughs> as, as I have. 2 Corinthians 4, and this is here 
where Paul says, concerning the gospel, concerning this good news that we proclaim, he says, it's in jars of clay. It's in jars of clay. That's to show we have this treasure, this treasure of Christ, but in such a weak place, you know, such an everyday thing. This isn't a gold, you know, vase somewhere, just a little jar of clay. And he describes our life. We're showing the power is God's power. We're afflicted, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. And here, here is, this is you and me here. (laughs) We're always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. We who live are given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. He said, that's just the way it works. We die to ourselves and we live for Christ and in our death and in our abandonment of ourselves into his will and for the good of others, Christ is made known. And this applies to the leaders of God's church. I want to encourage the past, the, the uh, pastor elders, they're called pastors in the New Testament, to encourage you because there is suffering in leadership. There is suffering in seeking to shepherd the flock, to know and love Jesus. There's suffering in being misunderstood or falsely judged or the victim of rumors or costly late hours, suffering with others in their pain. I've seen it throughout my whole life, the suffering of shepherds seeking to love and care for a flock. I just want to encourage you. That's an aspect of being like Christ, the shepherd who gave up his life for his sheep. How would it not be otherwise that you as under shepherds would give up your life for your sheep? What a calling. What an honor. I just want to encourage you in that. And sometimes it puzzled me for a long time when Paul in Philippians 3 wanted to be completely identified with Christ and he wanted to be joined with his resurrection. But he also said to be conformed to your death in Philippians 3. And I thought for a long time it meant to be conformed to your literal death, you know, to die like you died. But... I think he meant, I want to be conformed. I want my life to conform to that death pattern. I want, I want to give up my life in death so that I may make known Jesus to others. So, as one has said, we are bound to him by God's merciful decision so that we share his destiny of suffering and glory. I see our our time is running out, at least the the noon time. Uh, I've got 21 minutes from the day I <laughs> stood up, but I want to be careful here with you. But we have here the adopted, our heirs with him, and are glorified with him. Paul de- declares this astounding reality here that we are fellow heirs with Christ. And the only reason we are heirs 
is because Jesus Christ is the heir. He's the heir. The Jews were the heirs and they were going to inherit the land. And then in the New Testament, we are heirs through Jesus and we inherit the whole earth. As it says in Matthew 5, the meek shall inherit the earth. Jesus has already inherited it. He is at the right hand of God. He is ruling the world for the sake of his people. He is glorified. That's our guarantee. We are headed where Jesus is. He said that we will reign with him. He said that we will join him in his glory. We began our whole service that when Jesus comes, he'll transform our humble bodies to be just like his glorious body, whatever that is, whatever power he has as a human being, whatever capacity. We're not transformed in divinity, but into his humanity. We are transformed to be just like him. And it's really shocking what this means. For instance, Paul can say of us in 1 Corinthians 6 that we will judge angels. Now, one of our own is a judge, Wes Curry. There may be more, but I know Wes is. And we'd have to say, Wes, this would be a step up. Judging angels, not just human beings. And I think of two times in Revelation where John, an angel, appears to John. And in chapter 19, John, seeing the glory and power of this angel, falls before him. And of course, the angel says, don't don't do that. Don't do that. I'm just a fellow servant. And then later in chapter 22, same thing happens. Almost like, oh, I forgot. Yeah, yeah. Don't worship you. Don't worship you. Because he's just... The the glory and majesty of this angel appears to him again. And he says, don't do that. Worship God. We will judge angels. What are we to become that we would judge angels? We are caught up in Psalm 2. I just won't touch on it, but just mention we're caught up in Psalm 2. Uh, in in Revelation 2, with the judgment of the world in some way. I, I can't fathom it. But we, when we inherit glory, we become the owners of creation. We become the rulers, the new rulers of the new heavens and the new earth. And in that day, We will manifest the glory of God in a way that we can't imagine. And always in Scripture, it puts together our suffering and then our glory. Our suffering and then our glory. And this means especially that we are heirs not only of the new creation, but as he says here, heirs of God. He is the main inheritance of what we have in the new world. One Puritan said one time, if Jesus is not in heaven, then heaven will be a veil of tears. Whatever you're looking for, if you don't want to be with Jesus primarily, then heaven's not for you. Because it's all about him and his glory and our knowing him. But this is what's so wonderful. 
You inherit God. You're an heir of God. And you have him already. You have him now. In the enjoyment of this world, in the enjoyment of any part of it, if you're on the rocky coast of Rhode Island as we have been, or you're standing beneath mighty redwoods, or you're petting a baby white tiger, which I got to do one time, and you just put your hand over your mouth at how wonderful it is, but that's just a tiny theophany, a tiny appearance of God to you. You get to recognize Him in the midst of all that you experience in this world. Whether good, whether the enjoyment of His world, you have him in everything. You experience fellowship with him. You can know his smile as you enjoy his world. You can be over, overwhelmed with gratitude and adoration. Being an heir of God has already begun. And in the midst of your loss and suffering and difficulties and tragedies, you're already an heir of God. He is yours. That's the beautiful part of the covenant. I will be your God. One of the most amazing things, of course, is to see a, a blind person that has a CNI dog assigned to them. And that dog is their dog, right? Goes with them everywhere, helps save their life probably again and again and again. Uh, I remember a a comedian you may well know talked about seeing a blind man walk into a wall. He had a CNI dog, but he walked into a wall. And then he just yelled at his dog, like, what do you think? Why didn't you? And the guy's making up the dog's thoughts. He says, look, I didn't sign up for this job. I don't know how I got this job. In fact, I'm giving my two weeks notice on this job, you know, all this. And he said, and all this could be made up, but this is how he put it. He said, two weeks later, I was saying this same joke and there's a blind man with his CNI dog in the crowd and he said the blind man got up he was angry he walked out but the CNI dog stayed <laughs> anyway amazingly God is committed to you personally as your God it's amazing I will be your God to go with you anywhere, everywhere, to protect you, to sustain you, to constantly transform you, to preserve you and bring you into your everlasting inheritance. You now already are an heir of God. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for your grace and mercy in our lives. We thank you that you have allowed us to suffer with you and that we are heirs with Jesus Christ of the future glory. Lord, what grace has been given to such sinners as us. May we honor you in everything we do as your people with joy. In Jesus' name, amen.